Good morning. This is Pastor Tony from Praise Chapel, Pomona Valley. Just uh, here today to minister the Word of God. I pray that all is well with you and your families. And I pray that your prayer life and your reading life is staying on tune, staying on task. Uh, today I want to minister and just encourage you, give you a word today and uh, to bless you today. Today I want to message, I want to title this message, Don't Give Up Your Faith. So I'll be reading out of Psalms 73. And, you know, one of the things in life is, as Christians, we go through times where we think that uh, things aren't fair. We think that sometimes, uh, you know, God, where are you? And how come I'm not getting blessed, but everybody else is getting blessed? And we all feel that way sometimes. But one thing is true. God's good all the time, no matter what's going on. So today I just want to encourage you that no matter what's going on in your life right now, be encouraged that God's there for you, that God is able to prosper you, God's able to meet your needs, God's able to bless you. And so today I want to read out of Psalms 73, and we read out the New Living Translation. And uh, so let's start with verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. Even in their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know? they ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a, safe, a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep my innocence for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long, every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the people, why the wicked prosper. Well, what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed. Completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you, and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny, whom I have in heaven but you. I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains a strength in my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good is it to be near God? 
I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Amen. You know, as the psalmist here is writing Asaph, and most commentators say David probably wrote it, um, he's talking about how truly God is good to Israel. And Asaph starts a psalm with a simple declaration of the goodness of God to his people. And he's there, and he understands that God not is only good, but God is faithful and has always been faithful to his people and to those who are pure in heart. There's a story of a man, his name is Eli Weasel. He was a Holocaust survivor, and he was a devout Jew. But when he was experiencing the deaths in the Nazi camp, his faith was getting destroyed. He wrote, But why should I bless him? He's talking about God. And every fiber I rebelled, because he had thousands of children burned in his pits. Because he kept six crematories working night and day on Sunday and feast days. Because in his great might he had created Auschwitz, Birkenau, Buna, and so many factories of death. How could I say to him, Blessed art thou, eternal master of the universe, who chose us from among the races to be tortured day and night, to see our fathers, our mothers, our brothers end in the crematory. What happened to him and what he saw happening around him raised questions that caused him to give up his faith. These were hard times for the Jews and they were being slaughtered by the Nazis. There's also a story of a man named Nick Ripkin. He was a Christian and he lost his son on the mission field and he was asking, is God insane for asking his people to make sacrifices like that? He said, God's not insane, but these kind of questions are real and difficult because sometimes we're serving God and sometimes we, you know, we're going through things in our lives and we see the wicked being blessed. We see them being prospering. They have no problems, it seems like. And here we are, we're trying to survive day by day. We're going through sicknesses. We could be going through financial situations. We could be going through all types of different situations. It can be discouraging. And when we see others being blessed, we may question God. God, why am I having a hard time where these people who aren't even saved don't even know you, don't even believe in you? And why are they getting blessed? And this is where Asaph was at this time. And he was looking around and he was seeing everything, all the wicked being blessed. And his heart was getting weak, his faith was getting uh, uh, weak as well. And Asaph was an organizer and a leader for the temple choirs in the days of David, and probably for King Solomon as well. And the Bible says in First Chronicles 25, 1-2, that he was one who prophesied according to the order of the king. And so as he's writing this, this man is just like Eli Weasel. He's given a personal testimony of pain, and he's you know, he knows about God and he trusts in God, but his faith is being very te is tested very much, very strong here. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then he begins to talk about his own personal testimony, verse 2. But as for me, my faith, my feet came close to stumbling. He says, man, God is good. I know that, but I came close to stumbling. And in the Bible, when it talks about stumbling, it talks about means to be lost or to give up the faith. In the New Testament, Jesus says, don't cause one of these little ones to stumble. That means 
don't do anything that might cause someone to be lost. So here, Asaph, basically what he's saying is almost gave up the faith. He didn't do it, but he was thinking about it. He was getting discouraged. He was looking at the circumstances around him. And in our lives, sometimes our greatest uh, enemy is to look around at circumstances. And we got to remember the circumstances that we're going through are temporary. And what we need to do is we need to have a heavenly perspective of knowing that these things are only for a season, but heaven is for eternity. These problems will go away. I mean, if you lived 100 years, they're not going to be around. But friend, we are going to live for eternity in heaven. And that's the place where we're going for. And that's a place that we're serving God for is to be in this place that one day, listen, maybe right now you're shopping at the thrift store or Walmart or something like that. And you see your neighbors, they're going to Nordstrom's and Macy's driving new cars and you're driving that old Thunderbolt grease slapper that barely runs and you're, and you're questioning God. God, why are you not good to me? we got to remember that things here are temporal, but things heavenly are for eternity. And that's what we got to do. So Asaph, he's saying, listen, man, I almost stumbled. I was getting, I was questioning God. But he came to his senses and understood who God was. He was troubled with what he was seeing around the world. And right now, as we're looking through the COVID and we're seeing all these different things, we can get discouraged with things going on in the world. Maybe you lost a loved one to COVID. Maybe you're going through it. Maybe you're sick or maybe... You know, you've lost your place of residence or whatever the case may be. And you look around and see the blessed being prosper. And they're not having the problems you are financially. They seem healthy as well. They seem all these different things. And this is what he's looking at here. And, and he's raising questions in his mind. And the same thing with us. It can raise questions in our mind. God, why are you so good to the unsaved? Why are they being blessed more than I who are trying to serve you? And if we're honest, we, we ask that question sometimes. Just like Asaph did. And so we got to ask ourselves, Lord, help me to see things with a different perspective. Help me, God, to look at you and your goodness. See, goodness of God is not so much material things. Because that's what most people look at. We look at cars and houses and clothes and food and all those different things of the world. But the goodness of God is, reality is that he saved us. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And heaven is our destiny. And not only that, but all our sins are forgiven. And not only that, but he's still faithful and provides for us. Because he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So we got to be careful today that when we start getting questions and we're discouraged, friend. We need to understand that God is there and he knows what you're going through. And one of the things I want to talk about is the questions that assaulted his faith. Asaph said in verse 3, as he's talking, he says, I looked around the world, there were some things that bothered me. And this is basically what he's saying. He says, I was envious of the arrogance. He's talking about how the wicked seemed to prosper and he was jealous of them. And he goes on to describe their situation in verse 4. He says, there are no pains in their death and their body is fat. They are not in trouble or other men, nor, as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. So he's saying that, that there are wicked people in the world who you think God would be punishing, but instead they only seem to prosper. They're succeeding. He talks about them, you know, their body's fat. He's not talking so much of them being fat, you know, physically. He's talking about them being blessed. He's talking about them, you know, being healthy and strong and all those different things. And sometimes we look at our lives and we don't see ourselves that way. 
And like I said, you maybe have a physical situation you've been dealing with for a while, or maybe you've been financially struggling for a while. We need to understand that God is still there for us. He said in verse 8, he said, these people mock at God. In other words, these people don't even believe in God, and yet they're prospering. And you know, we can look at that. We can look at our neighbors and our unsaved loved ones or our bosses and see that they mock God, they don't even believe, but yet here they are blessed. And sometimes, you know, that makes us all question, why God? Where are you, God? Why aren't I blessed? I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do my best. You ever feel that way sometimes? And that's what Esau's feeling here. In verse 11, he says, how 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 does God know? Is there knowledge with the Most High? He said these people are basically speaking to God and getting away with it. Well, listen, God's not ignorant. God knows what's going on, but God's also merciful and just that you know that He wants all to come to repentance, and God's merciful to give them a chance to get saved. Amen. God knocks at the door of their hearts, just like He knocked at the door of our hearts. And God's drawn that wants them to come to salvation, but it's ultimately up to their decision. And so Asaph here, as he's writing this, he was talking about his faith is waning. He was talking about getting discouraged. And so we got to be careful that we don't get in that place, friend. As we look around and we see all the prosperity everywhere else, we don't get jealous of what they have and what we don't have. Because again, our perspective is a heavenly perspective. When we get to heaven, friend, we'll have everything we need. But as you and I, friend, maybe we're lacking financially, maybe we're going through different things. The difference is you and I, and through these, God is our strength, God's our provider, God's the one that's our healer, and he's the one that guides our footsteps. They don't have that. Everything they live for is temporal. Everything they live for is just, uh, you know, glittering gold. It, it, it goes away. But our salvation is eternity. He says in verse 13, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. He said, man, he said, I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to keep my hands clean. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to be innocent before God. He says, but it seems like every day I'm going through these trials and tribulations. Every day I'm going through this or that. He says, man, what's going on here, God? He says, look at these wicked people. They do wicked things, and yet they have no trouble, it seems like. And they got no financial problems, they got food, they got everything they need. He says they're so well off, bulging with fatness, having increased in wealth. But here he was, he himself, he's trying to obey God, just like you and I are. We're trying to serve God, we're trying to be obedient, we're trying to live holy, we're trying to live right. And yet, it seems like we're just going through trials more than blessings. But remember, the blesser is the one who's in control, and that's the Lord God. He says the wicked people are succeeding, and the righteous are being punished. So why serve God? He says, it's just about enough to make you lose your faith. And there's a lot of people I know, friend, a lot of Christians who are serving God because of circumstances, because of lots of financial uh, resources, or they lost their house, or they got sick, or... Just something, you know, they took their eyes off God and started, look, started looking at the circumstances, started maybe looking at their neighbors and everything else, and went back to the world to get financial prosperity, to, to get something they didn't have, and they left God, and they went for those things. And we got to be careful, friend, that we don't do that. We keep our eyes upon God, knowing that we continue to do right, friend. Our place is in heaven. And listen, 
God's able here to bless you on earth as well. You just got to be patient in his timing. We serve God for who he is. If God never blessed you again, we still serve God. Job knew about that. Job had questions like that, didn't he? In chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Job, and Satan attacked him, and God allowed it, and he lost everything he had. Physical harm, physical pain, suffering, lost his children, lost his home, lost his animals, lost everything he had materialistically. But Job knew who God was. He understood that it was just a temporal thing, and the things here in the world didn't matter that much. He understood, amen, that God was still worthy to be praised. He said in Job 10:18, Why then have you brought me out of the womb? In other words, his suffering was so great, why would God allow him to be born if he's going to have to go through all of that? So there was a time after, you know, before God finally gave him revelation, he understood God. He had questions as well. God, why would you bring me out of the womb to suffer like that? Man, he should just let me alone. He should just never have been born. Sometimes we feel that way as well. But listen, God's got a plan in everything. Then he asked in verse 13, 24, Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Sometimes we feel like that as well, that God's hiding his face from us. That man, you know, I'm not your enemy, God. I'm trying to serve you. But listen, there's a devil that will try and discourage you. There's a devil that will try and frustrate you. And just like he did with Job, they try to destroy you in your relationship with God. But we got to understand it's eternal eternal perspective. In verse 21, 17, he says, Why does the wicked still live? Continue on. Also become very powerful. He had all kinds of questions, friend. But at the end, the Bible says, amen, that God blessed him double of what he had the first time. Friend, we got to hold on, amen, until God's blessings come. Because God is faithful. He is good. We say it in church. God's good. And God's good all the time. And that's true. But again, we can't look at things in the temporal perspective. We have to look in the eternal perspective. And so, you know, a lot of the questions that Job asked are like the same one that Asaph's questioning. Why, why do good people suffer? And why do the wicked prosper? Is it really worth serving God? Yes, it is. Listen, if Asaph live in our generation or the times that we live in these modern generations you know he could have been looking at the life of Hugh Hefner Hugh Hefner was rich multi he was a billionaire we know that he started Playboy magazine he started all that he had all the money he needed he had a big mansion he had uh, all the clothes he needed amen he had all these different things that the world says is success one critic said he basically bought and sold female flesh he was used more by Satan than probably anyone else in his lifetime through pornography. And he was evil. But again, he lived in a $200 million mansion, lived to the age of 91. So Asaph might have looked at him and said, man, he says, why this guy getting blessed? He doesn't even serve you or do anything right. He said, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. Wash my hands of innocent. Why obey God if you blatantly disobey his word like Hugh Hefner did? And seem to be blessed like that. We can ask those questions, friend. But again, God's the one that's in control. God's the one that raises up and sets down. And God knows the beginning from the end. So you might say, you know, look, I've always gone to church, man. And I try to do everything right. But all I have is trouble right now. 
But my brother, my sister, my friend, who never go to church, never thinks about God, they have a great job, they have a nice home, and none of the troubles I have, so why am I serving God? Or you might be saying, I've always tried to do the right thing. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. But I have all these health problems. While people I know who don't care about God, and they go and do whatever they want, they drink and they smoke and they party and everything else, they're all in good shape, they're all fine. What's the, what's the deal, God? What's going on? We all think that sometimes. You know, he said, why pray? You know, when I pray the same prayer requests day after day, but it doesn't seem like they're getting answered. Or, you know, even for us ourselves as Christians, why do I serve in ministry week after week, but it doesn't seem like it's doing any good? Nothing is, no one's responding. God's not hearing me or nothing's changing in my life. You got to hold on. Be patient, friend. And listen, there's a million kinds of questions that you and I can have. You have yours, I have mine, Asaph had his. And he said he almost gave up because of them. Don't give up, friend. You got to hold on. Keep your eyes upon the Lord. And listen, every time we ask those questions, they're based on our circumstances. And what we see happen around us and to us. We got to understand that these pictures, the things we see, these circumstances don't show us a whole picture. Asaph goes on to tell us here in Psalm 73 that God did show him the whole picture and what he learned and kept him from giving up. And verse 17, this, this visit affirmed his faith. This visit affirmed his faith. Verse 17, he said, If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He said, listen, God, he said, you know, if I would have quit... If I'd have told others that you weren't faithful, if I would have blasphemed you or turned away from me, he says, it would have affected the generation. He said it would have affected my family, those around me. They would have turned from God, he says, but he didn't, amen? He said, man, I'm glad I didn't say those things that I wanted to say, that my flesh wanted to speak out. Sometimes when I'm, we're under trials and tribulations or going through rough circumstances, sometimes our mouth can get our, get us in trouble, say things we shouldn't. And most of us can think of a time when we were glad we didn't say something or do something, right? I remember one time I wrote a comment on Facebook. I started to write a comment, I should say. It was going to tear into somebody. But I hit the delete key and just took the whole thing out. And looking back, I'm glad I didn't send it. And so this is what Asaph's saying here. He says, listen, man. He says, I'm glad I didn't say what I, what I said, wanted to say, or I'm glad I didn't quit like I wanted to on God. And so the same thing with us, friend. We cannot quit on God. We cannot let our mouth get in the way, our faith, our vision. We got to hold on to our faith. We got to hold on to the rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, listen, I'm glad I never said what I was thinking about. Not being worthy. Not being worth it to serve God. He says in verse 16, 
that all of this was troublesome in my sight until I came to the sanctuary of God. Friend, there's, there's a difference when we come to the sanctuary of God to hear the word of God. There's a difference when you and I go into our prayer closet and we seek God. There's a difference when you and I get into our word and start reading how God ministers and speaks to us and gives us a different perspective. Maybe you're discouraged and when you read your word, you get encouraged. Maybe you're frustrated, but when you read your word, your faith starts to grow again. Maybe you're in that place, friend, where, where you maybe you're struggling with a sin, but as you read the word of God, you read about how you're an overcomer, amen, how you can be victorious through Christ, amen, how you've been forgiven. And so these things affirm our faith. These things encourage us. And so that's just what he's saying here. He says, listen, man, he says, I came to the sanctuary of God. He went to the place, friend, where he knew his answers lied, and that was in God himself, amen. He says, then I perceive their reign. So he had a revelation. He says, listen, he says, I see all these things going on and I'm frustrated by their blessings. But he says, now I understand the eternal perspective. They may have all the riches. They may have all the money. It may seem like things are good. But you know what? They don't have heaven. So in verse 17, when he made that visit, he says, it was troublesome in my sight until I came in the sanctuary of God. And that's so important for you and I, friend. To have that prayer closet, especially right now that we can't be together in church. It's important to have that prayer closet. It's important to feed yourself the word of God, to nourish your faith, to nourish your soul. And this is what he went to do, was to nourish him, to answer those questions that were nagging him. He didn't run from the house of God. He didn't run from God. He went to the sanctuary of God. And the same thing for us. And it's a valuable lesson for us, friend. A good example for us that when you're troubled with something in life... Don't turn away from God, but turn to Him. Bring your troubles, your questions, bring your doubts to God. He, he can handle it. He knows what you're going through. The Bible says, amen, that many times He read the scribes and Pharisees' mind before they even said it. So if He knows their minds, He knows our minds and our hearts. And He knows our concerns. And when you read the book of Psalms, it seems like this is what they're all about. Someone once said that they felt like Psalms were just about this guy who was groaning and complaining all the time. But what it does, it gives us a perspective that, listen, we as humans, men, mighty men of God, they went through things. They had questions as well. They they had some uh, uh, things they had to suffer through. They had some times when they were in the valley. They had some times when they felt lonely. They felt times when they felt like God wasn't there. But they always turned to God because they knew that God was there. And the same thing for us, friend. God's always there for us. Always turn to Him. Don't turn away. So this is what Psalms is about. It's to encourage us that God's always there. And, and and through the Psalms, it tells us also that we have permission to bring our honest hurts and feelings to God and say things like the psalmist did in Psalm 73. It says, Surely in vain I kept my hands pure. Psalms 22, David said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever feel that way sometimes, right? Or in Psalm 69, 20, why have I looked for sympathy, but there was none? Psalm 22, 2, why do I cry by day and you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest? Sometimes, when it seems like we're crying the daytime and nighttime, we have no rest, but God's there for us. Why did the close friend in whom I trusted, who ate bread with me, lift up his heel against me? Sometimes when our best friends or those who are closest to us are the ones that hurt us sometimes and 
backstab us and let us down, friend. But listen, the Bible says God will stick closer to us than a brother. And he's always there for us, friend. And listen, if you're going to turn your back on God in distress, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go back to the Budweiser? Are you going to go back to drugs? Are you going to go back to the Sancho Sancha? You know, what are you going to go back to? The disciples, when Jesus asked them, they said, where are we going, man? You, you got the words of life. The world was turning their back on him. Disciples were leaving him. But these disciples understood who Jesus was. And the same thing with us, friend. We got to understand who God is. That he, have the, he has the words of eternal life. Put yourself in the position, friend, where you can hear from God. And that's in our prayer closet. And that's our reading, the word. And like I said, you know, now this time of COVID where all these crazy things are happening and we have questions about why God or maybe you've lost a loved one to COVID or something. Listen, we got to come to God and he's always there to hear us. Stay in your prayer closet, friends. Stay there. Keep staying there. Keep going back and talking to God. Read his word. Meditate. Don't read it like a novel. You got to read it and meditate on it. Say, Lord, speak to me as I read it. Study it out. Break out a commentary and study it. And that's how God speaks to us. Opening his word each day, reading, reading it. We got to make that visit that Asaph made. Put yourself in that place where God can speak to you. Be faithful in church. Be faithful in all the things that pertain to the things of God. Come to the sanctuary of God. Come to that place, friend, where you can talk to him. So I want to end with this, friend. Our challenge today is to believe that, to have faith. To know that we can see right now is not the end of the story. In other words, your present circumstance ain't forever. It's going to change. we got to be careful that we're not senseless and ignorant like a beast before God, as Asaph said in, in, in 22. So when he's talking about the beast, he's talking about the beast, how the beast just lives for its needs. It just lives for its desires and its pleasures. But we as Christians, we understand that we serve God not for the pleasures of the world or the things that we have, we serve God because we know at the end it will be end better for us for those who trust in God and do good. You often hear people say, don't be on the wrong side of history. Right now, all the th turmoil we're going through and Black Lives Matters and all this other crazy stuff, it's a history moment in this world, in our in our government, in our, in our country. But you and I, friend, we don't have to worry about that stuff. You and I, friend, we worry about that we're on the right side of history with God. Because at the end, the Bible says that we win. We hear people saying today that, that uh, you know, that God and the Bible are fading away into history. And, and you know, and the future, what it looks like is, man, it's going to be, you know, a, a place of godless values. So we got to be careful that we're not on the wrong side of history when it comes to God. That our faith is, does not waver. That our knees does not stumble. Amen. That you and I, friend, we may be stumbling, but we get back up and keep going and keep our eyes upon God. Go in that place, that sanctuary. Get hold of God. Let Him strengthen you. Let Him encourage you. You see, 
the world will always trust in themselves. And we're not careful. We try and trust in our own selves as well instead of God. When we start looking at those circumstances and we start looking at everything that seems negative or wrong, but friend, we look to God. He's the Savior. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. History, friend, is headed towards the rapture. History is headed towards the return of Christ. And that's what we that's what we strive for. That's the history we want to be part of. When Jesus comes back and the graves open up and those who serve him and believe in him when they're raptured up, friend, that's what we serve. Or if we close our eyes on this earth, friend, we go into heaven, amen. But those who are godless, those who may seem like they're rich, like Howard Hughes, and all those who don't believe in God, friend, the Bible says their their end is torment. So it may seem like they're good here on earth, but their end is going to be destruction. And yours and I, friend, will be a blessing to be in heaven. Don't give up your faith, brother, sister. You're only going to regret it if you do so. You, we can bring our doubts to the Lord. We can bring our, our, our trials, our tribulations, all those things. And God's there for us. The Bible says he cares about the birds. He cares about the lilies of the valley. How much more are you more precious than that? So no matter your circumstances, friend, keep your eyes upon God. It's going to end better if you hang in there. Learn of the lesson of this man that almost gave up his faith because of what he saw going on. His trials, his tribulations, the blessings of the wicked, and his needs. See, God's the one that always provides our needs, friend. Don't look at the world. Don't look at your neighbors, what they have and they don't have. Don't look at what you don't have, but look at what you do have. The Lord Jesus Christ. So today, friend, be encouraged. Don't waver. Don't give up. Don't go back to the world. Don't mock God. Don't talk bad about God. You praise Him and get in that prayer closet and let Him strengthen you and see you through your circumstance. I hope you got encouraged today. God bless you. Amen.